Hello, and welcome back to Outnumber the Podcast. We are giving you episode number 220, Eating for a Healthy Weight. Yes, mom, we're talking to you or dad, a couple of dads that listen to us. We've got five solid tips for you guys to help you recalibrate your eating and learn how to eat healthy and get to your optimal weight and feeling amazing. So those five tips look like this. We're going to create a healthy picture of you sometime in the future as a goal. Number two, we're going to eliminate fake foods. Number three, we're going to stop loading up on carbs that are terrible for us. Number four, we're going to retrain our hunger cues. And number five, remember to plan our foods and prep them ahead of time. So let's get going. Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Welcome back, guys. We're excited about this podcast episode, but we're excited every week. It's our favorite time of the week to sit down and talk with you all. And today we're going to be talking about eating healthy, specifically to get ourselves to a healthy weight, Uh, because we know this is on everyone's mind at the beginning of the year, right? Yes. And we want to focus so much on the healthy part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you guys want to know something funny. Everybody focuses on losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. Okay. So Bonnie and I just did some math for you guys before this episode. (laughs) And we calculated what we have lost in the past. um, Okay. So we have to go back 24 years. What Bonnie and I, how many pounds Bonnie and I have lost in 24 years in our combined nine and 10 pregnancies is, drum roll, approximately 580 pounds. <laughs> Go us. That is, I'm pretty sure, like three of my vans. <laughs> a lot of weight. <laughs> Nine pregnancies for each of us and just a lot of, yeah, a lot of weight gain, which is totally normal during pregnancy. And then a little bit of easy loss when the baby comes out, but then a considerable amount to, to work on through exercise and, and healthy eating. So we've been around the block a couple of times when it comes to losing weight, right? <laughs> Yeah, like 580 like something. <laughs> Crazy. Go us. Go us. We're not going to talk I about think... the stretch marks either, right? Mm, no, no. But you know what? I think what we have to share, that's just a, like a little thing to make you laugh, but also to share that um, what Bonnie and I have to talk about in this episode is completely valid and backed up by what we're about to share with you that, you know, And that we've done it. Like we've done this a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this too, that uh, it's all habits, right? And we're going to talk about some of the habits that we uh, recommend for getting into a a place where you are eating healthy and you're enjoying life, right? Um, But it requires consistent work. So I remember a couple of friends saying, gosh, you're really good about getting in shape and losing baby weight between each kid, even though you know you're going to have more. And I'm thinking, gosh, if I never lost the weight between babies, I'd be 600, but no, I guess only 300. I'd be 300 pounds plus my normal weight, you know? And um, so I knew that that was going to be a priority for me. But the longer we wait, obviously, to take care of our bodies, the more work it is to get us back to a good baseline. So that's just a good a good reminder if you're still in the baby having stage. Yes. Okay. And one more thing we want to say to you before we start is if you're doing everything that we suggest, like all the things that we talk about and your weight still won't budge, it is very good idea to go get your thyroid and your physical health and all that checked out because sometimes there's something else with us women in our childbearing years. It's usually number one thyroid problem because those dang hormones. 
I know, right? Yeah. So just just a side note here, if you know you're doing all the five things that we tell you and you're still at whatever weight, um, just just go get it checked out. Take care of your take care of yourself physically medically, physically. Yeah. In all the ways for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the year, this is probably the number one new year's resolution. Don't you think Audrey that people come up with lose a couple of pounds, right? Cause we just so slowly in this day and age of easy life, right. And, and modern conveniences, we just let that weight pile up sometimes. Um, and it's usually something related to that, right? Like eating healthier, getting more exercise or just losing pounds in general. Yeah. Gym memberships in January are like the biggest. Yeah, thing. for sure. <laughs> If you, you you don't want to go to a gym in January mm-hmm. because it's way too crowded. <laughs> Wait till February. But, you know, try yeah, yeah. <laughs> try June. <laughs> it's empty. So we've got we love these goals, but we don't want like a short term solution. So like I want to lose ten pounds. I lost ten pounds, and I can go back to eating the way I was before. We want to look at physical health as a lifestyle that we can maintain forever. And honestly, if you're at the point in your life where you are going to be having more babies, it's good to start this right now because physical health will help you so much as you're gaining the weight Mm -hmm. in pregnancies. And also a quick side note here, we have an excellent episode called post-pregnancy fitness. And Bonnie and I recorded this a couple of years ago. And I think this, um, both of us had another kid after we Mm. recorded this. So it wasn't like, you know, looking back through rose colored glasses, it's, it was right in the midst of it. Yeah. I love that. And I will say this, that Audrey and I, before this episode, were comparing notes on how much we gained each pregnancy. And it was very, very consistent for each of us because your body knows what to do. However, I will say that during the pregnancies, when I took extra good care of myself, those were the ones where the pregnancy was so much easier. The labor was so much better. The postpartum period was so much better. So sometimes we really, not sometimes, most of the time we get so fixated on weight, like it's this ultimate indicator of how healthy we are. And that's just not true. However, the more we take care of ourselves, generally the healthier weight we we attain as well. So like Audrey said, we've got five specific steps to guide you through um, getting these healthy habits ingrained in your life forever, not just until your new year's resolution gets achieved. Okay, here is tip number one. Create a picture of a healthy you. Okay, if you've been around for more than an episode or two, you know that we talk about looking into the future, like your 10-year plan, your 20-year plan. What do you see? What do you look like? What do you feel like? What do you eat? How's your relationship with food? What do parties and special occasions look like? What do you, um, do you reward yourself with food? Like, that part of your relationship with food. So um, create your your picture of what you want to look like. What does healthy look like for you 10 years in the future? Because sometimes when you're in the middle of a goal and it's kind of a shorter term goal, it's hard to see that big picture. So start not with the short term goal, but with looking at 10 years in the future. Yes. And this long-term perspective is so powerful because you really realize that anything is possible. Like if you've struggled with your weight your whole life, you can get to a healthy weight and feel amazing. Um, But sometimes we need to put a little bit of distance between these big goals sometimes so that we can acknowledge that, yes, this might be difficult, but I can do anything I want, right? Um, I will say about the like the fun foods that we all look at, right? The the foods you have at a party or during holidays or whatever. um, I could, we could talk about a whole episode on this and maybe we will, but um, this is something that I've been working on for a long time, allowing foods that I enjoy in my diet. However, also allowing those, those desires and cravings to change as I eat healthier, right? So in college, a treat for me was going to sit down and eat an entire container of ice cream. 
that's not a fun food for me anymore. It just makes me sick. And so as my habits have changed, so have my treats, right? Or, or whatever I kind of allow myself on a special occasion. So you might ask yourself why you're eating some of these kind of fun foods and, and look to your future. Do you want to keep them in at all? Do you want to keep that? You might want to right now because you think they're very important to you, but they might not be as your habits change, right? Ask yourself why you're eating them. Sometimes, for a long time, I thought, well, I eat ice cream to connect with my friends. That's what we do when we hang out together. I just thought, it's not the ice cream that's making the relationship. It's my time spending with my friends, right? So just kind of a, a great time to explore these thoughts and your relationship with these foods. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, so when I was younger, <laughs> I remember when I was in college, I would sometimes swing by Little Caesars and get an order of breadsticks and eat them on the way home. That was like so <laughs> fun and like rewarding to myself for a hard week at college or whatever. And now my um, the way I eat has changed so much that um, like one breadstick is too much for me. And it's like gross. Also Little Caesars bar. <laughs> you eat breadsticks, let's go someplace nice, you know? Uh, it's probably like the only yeah. place in the tiny town I grew up. <laughs> of course, of course. And college, please. What kind of standards do you have in college? Like whatever will fill exactly. your belly, right? Right. Yeah. But now, um, like they don't even taste good to me anymore. Like, like they, and they don't make me feel good. And I can't eat that like that much because I'm so filled up on the things that are really nutritious and good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely big change um, from the past. And going back to that look forward, um, here's something that I've been thinking about because, spoiler alert, I'm getting older. <laughs> I need to eat for, so I have nine children and they're they're starting their young adulthood and their lives and their families. And I want to be involved in their lives in the future. But I also had my last child, like I calculated By the time he's 18, I'll be like 60 something, I think. Mm -hmm. And I still want to be a healthy, like be able to do for him what I'm able to do for my kids now that are just starting out. And so I have to keep myself healthy for a long time (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) going Mm -hmm. forward. For for a little bit when I um, realized that I was, you know, through my childbearing years, I was like, hey, now I can get back on coffee. I hadn't had a cup of caffeinated coffee for 25 years and I can eat however I want because like there's no baby, there's no childbearing, no breast milk. And then I was like, oh, but hang on, there's still more goals. There's still more future. Mm. And then things like, you know, something my husband and I have been talking about is things like, you know, osteoporosis, especially for those of us women who have had a lot of children and done a lot of breastfeeding. That is something that starting at our ages now is a good thing to start fighting now, not wait till we fall down and break a hip because Mm -hmm. our bones are so thin. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because again, for, for us, especially as women, it's so easy to get focused in how our body looks, but that is the least interesting and important part about our bodies. The very least is how they look, right? It's how they function and how we can serve and how we can love and how we can show up for our families. It's so much more important and more fulfilling than whether or not we have cellulite or a big butt, okay? Let's just focus on how we're going to show up for the life that we've been given. Like, do we want to show up with energy and excitement and being able to roll on the floor with our grandkids? Heck yeah, I want to do that. So, such a great reminder. Okay, so step two is to work on eliminating fake foods or any concentrated foods. Yeah, so... I remember when I was a kid, um, my dad decided he was going to go on a diet and he said, I I was like, okay, what's your diet, dad? He's like, I'm only going to eat ingredients I can read. (laughs) 
Mm, what a concept. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounds like a good diet. But any food not in its natural form has the potential to be harmful to our bodies. It was manufactured or processed, right? So if you can't tell where it came from, if you can't read the ingredients, it's probably smart to skip. Like ask your kids if they know where something comes from, right? Can mm-hmm. can a kid explain to you where milk comes from or chickens? Well, yeah. Be, I mean, eggs? Well, yeah, because we, we raise chickens, right? We milk a cow. So my kids know where that comes from. How about Twinkies? <laughs> um, no, they've never toured a Twinkie factory. They have no clue where all the ingredients come from. Or even like, you know, if you gave it to them, like what would be in it? That's yeah. a good test. Spoiler alert, I don't think the Twinkie factory guys know where the ingredients come from either. Oh. <laughs> Just... If it has a shelf life longer than I do, I'm not eating it. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I still remember as a kid having that realization one day that I didn't know where bread came from. My mom had made homemade bread a lot when I was a little kid, but by the time I was a teenager, I think I'd forgotten. And I just remember thinking, no, but what is it? (laughs) What's it made out of? And I'm like, well, yeah, I know wheat, but what, like, I, I wasn't familiar enough with, you know, with the grinding, the kernels and the grinding and everything to make flour. And I just remember being very confused that we were eating something we didn't even know how it started, yeah. you know, yeah. did this come from the earth in some form or another? Yeah. Um, and, and what a great lesson for your kids too. Like, okay, let's talk for a second. Do you see those Cheetos right there? How do you think those are made? Well, we actually have no clue unless we look at this long <laughs> list of ingredients, but how about an apple? We know exactly where that comes from and what it's going to do to our body. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and talking about, um, food, versions of food, it's not that bread's not healthy, but like, okay, so my kids did a science experiment where they we're supposed to grow mold on a piece of bread, you know, to mimic the whole penicillin mm-hmm. and all that. So they were, they put oh, this, did they get store-bought? <laughs> yeah. They got store-bought bread and they put it out. And like three months later, it still hadn't grown any mold. <laughs> like, mm. And we're eating this, but then, you know, a yeah. piece of, so now we've gotten into making sourdough and you can't leave that mm-hmm. sit out on your counter for three days because it has mold all over it, Yeah, which is a good yeah. thing. It means yeah. it's alive. It's breaking down the way it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing is the more we take control of our own food, even the foods that require some processing, we're not saying eat everything raw, but um, then we take ownership for it and we know exactly what's going in and we know where we're sourcing these ingredients from. Um, and, and and we just become so much more connected to the foods that we're eating and they, they're real whole foods, right? So powerful. So I, I mentioned concentrated foods as well, and this is this is how I call them anyway. It's any food that gives our brain an unnatural hit of dopamine, okay? So like eating an apple, delicious, gives you some pleasure, right? Eating a candy bar. Your pleasure centers are flooded. Like your brain just doesn't even know what to do. It's like, ah, sugar, yes. <laughs> so the cravings come, the urges come, we get out of control, we become addicted sometimes, right? So a lot of flowers can act like this, sugars alcohol. We've seen that happen, right? So these are just things to really watch out for because it's so easy to overindulge in, become addicted to, and then kind of lose control, right? Um, And and even though it can seem really, really difficult to gain control over this again, it, it is always possible. But just notice when you have a lot of cravings and urges, it's probably because you're you're indulging in these concentrated foods that your brain doesn't know how to handle. It just thinks more, 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 more. I, I need more. <laughs> Yeah, one that you might not think about is um, like those concentrated syrups that you put like in, okay, your pumpkin spice mm. latte from Starbucks. Mm. I am sorry, but let me tell you how bad that is for you. <laughs> yeah, It is not like yeah. pumpkin they're putting in there. This, it's, it's, this, it's this 
chemically formulated flavor that kind of tastes like pumpkin and spices and <laughs> sorry i'm taking on your pumpkin spice lattes but uh-oh. Listen. uh-oh good thing it's not the fall <laughs> yeah mm. all right number three stop carb loading Oh, guys, our current Western culture is so full of carbohydrates, and most of them are refined and terrible for you. The obesity epidemic we have in America is directly related to the carbs and sugar, the amount of carbs and sugar that we eat. And people are eating more and more and more carbs and more sugar because carbs and sugar are not filling them up. So they have to eat more because they're hungry. And that's where the obesity epidemic in our country is coming from. That's right. Yes, this is something that it took me a long time to figure out because I was raised in the 80s and 90s back in that low-fat diet epidemic, right? And that culture was poisonous because we all just defaulted to low-fat carbs that then never filled us up and gave our pancreas a what's what's the equivalent of a pain, of a heart attack for the pancreas? I don't know. It just puts it on the fritz. Our our body cannot cope with this amount of sugar, right? Especially the refined garbage kind, right? Um, And like you said, I've noticed that as long as there's protein and fat in my meal, I'm satiated more. I feel better. um, I don't have sugar highs. I don't have headaches. And same thing with my kids. All all they ever want to do is just eat crackers all day long. But what they need is that protein and fat to build muscle, to make them feel full. Yes. Kids' brains need fat to grow. And a low-fat diet is probably the most dangerous diet you can put (laughs) your kids on. Off- off camera, Bonnie and I have been talking about um, high fat diets because of um, seizures and how that is like the keto diet, which is a extremely high fat diet, was developed for epilepsy because you start feeding the brain and it stops seizing. It's it's pretty incredible when you look in that. Okay, so what would happen if you replaced all of your current carbs for a week? Just time out, don't freak out here. <laughs> With vegetables for a week and and eating protein and especially fat with every meal. So at first you're going to feel hungry and every time you feel hungry, go get some more fat. I promise you it will work. I have one of my kids who, I'm not going to get into it, um, why health reasons, but he just went on the keto diet again. And at first he was so hungry and I had some fat bombs prepared for him because every time he would say, mom, I'm hungry, I need a snack, go grab a fat bomb go grab a fat bomb. And so like they are made out of cream cheese. They're made out of avocado. They're made out of coconut butter, butter, all, you know, all really high fat things. And every time he would eat this little, what, about a tablespoon worth of a flavored fat ingredient, he'd be good for a couple more hours. Yeah. And making sure that you have enough fat is, like I said, essential to feeling satiated, but also can really help deal with some of those cravings when I, because I want, when I want sugar, Sometimes fat is almost as good, right? <laughs> like a like a mildly sweet fat bomb or something. So that's a really great uh, trick to have in your pocket if you are trying to come off some crazy cravings, right? Yes. And also the first thing I make my kids do when they tell me they're hungry is take a drink of water. Mm. <laughs> take yeah, a drink of too. water and let's – because they the signals arrive at your brain the same at the first. I mean, eventually they, they delineate themselves into hunger or thirst, but – at first, they're the same. So I was like, okay, go take a drink of water. Let's get that one checked off the list. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so step number four, retrain your hunger cues. So this might sound strange, but you're, you actually teach your body when to tell you that it's hungry. Um, so you can actually train it to eat fewer meals or more meals if 
you would like to. Um, so eating incessantly, there was a time too when we thought that, oh, in order to eat uh, for weight loss, you had to eat a million small meals all day long. But the problem is it never allows your body to for the blood sugars to reset and give your organs a rest, right? And so um, so that was wreaking some havoc as well. So um, by resetting these hunger cues, we are able to better control when our body asks for food, for re- that real hunger, right? Okay, this is fascinating. This concept is kind of interesting and a, a bit new to me, like explained in these terms. Um, and so Bonnie was explaining it to me the other day. I was fascinated by it. So um, here's one thing you can do. You can try fasting every now and again to see if you can reset your hunger baseline. You might discover you don't actually have to eat breakfast or you prefer to eat dinner much earlier in the day. Um, Maybe you try two meals a day for something. You like um, a good way to fast is intermittent fasting. Um, I had a kid who did that in college and he would just not eat until lunchtime. And um, anyway, he was doing it for health reasons and brain study reasons and all that. But um, just like fasting is a really good option when you're working not to lose weight, but when you're working with your body talking to you and learning learning to listen to your body and its cues. Yeah. And that's all this is, is we want to reset our body to a place where it's as, as natural as possible, right? Where we're not dealing with these unnatural cravings and urges all the time. And we know what real hunger feels like. Cause very often we don't, right? We think, oh, I'm hungry. And then if you stop and think, oh no, that's actually not a hunger pain. That's just a, I really want some chocolate or something, right? Really understand what your body's trying to communicate. Yeah. Fasting is not something that I've ever really enjoyed until I became an adult, but I fast every month for religious reasons. We just skip two meals a day for one day. And what I've learned as I've gotten older is just how more in tune with my body I get. I go, oh, there's the hunger. That's what that feels like. And it kind of comes and goes. It's like a wave. And I can just really be conscious of it without panicky and like, oh, I'm starving. I have to eat right this second. I just acknowledge it and go, oh, I'm hungry now. Okay. When I, when I allow it, I will go and eat my thing and uh, just to put me back and put my brain back in charge, right? Yeah, it's very interesting um, fasting. Like it used to be part, a natural part of everybody's process of being healthy or getting back to healthy or cleansing um, was fasting. And it's not something that like there's even a very good knowledge about in the general population anymore. Fasting sounds bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you deprive yourself of food, but fasting in the past... Um, has been used as a way to cleanse and and clean and like it, educate yourself on it. See if it could be right for you. Okay, number five. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. <laughs> so start by stopping by stop buying or removing all the unhealthy or packaged food you have from your house. But you have to plan for most meals. You have to have a plan. So this is kind of a mindset thing. Um, Also, if you focus on what you can't have, that's all you're going to think about. (laughs) But instead, try focusing on the things that you can have and the things that you get and think like that your why is pretty strong. And so think about your why, why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Um, I personally plan dinners every week, um, usually about five of them. And then we leave a night for leftovers and a night for a a date night or something like that. Um, And then I do have like a handful of healthy breakfast and lunch options that I just fall back on over and over and over because I don't need as much uh, variety there. Um, But we do have several meal episodes and we kind of um, organize them to help you feed your children healthy, but also 
spoiler alert, you can feed yourself healthy with these same ideas. So we'll link those in the show notes. But when I do not make a plan, everything falls apart, especially if you have a busy life with more than like five things going on, right? And a bunch of kids and chaos. Making that plan, then you know, okay, there's going to be a way for me to eat healthy today, whether that's, you know, prepping ahead of time or at least just writing a recipe down, printing one out from the internet and having something to fall back on when you are hungry and there's not a lot of time to prep, right? Um, so you can do this a million different ways. We're not going to tell you how to meal plan, but it, it is so, so powerful when trying to eat healthy regularly. Yeah. I think we actually talked about this on our, in our episode on saving money on groceries, yeah. um, because that is a side benefit of meal, meal planning and prepping is you know exactly what you need. You don't buy anything outside of that and you start saving money on groceries. That was one of, one of the many things that we mentioned in the episode on how to save money on groceries. Here's another, um, tip throwing at you. Um, have the person who is the healthiest between you and your husband do the grocery shopping. (laughs) I hate this tip because I want to delegate it, but he will just buy all the junk. So I can't, I have to do it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And currently my husband is on a keto diet. And so he brings zero packaged or sugar foods into our home. Like if I want something, I've got to go like do it yourself, go to town and get it. And usually I'm like, Oh yeah, I never, not worth it. Yeah. Is it worth it for me to drive to the store? Mm. No. <laughs> the craving will pass yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. And I will also say that if you are the type that really struggles with grocery store temptation, that online grocery shopping is a boon. I love pickup because I avoid all of those temptations. I never have to walk through down the cookie aisle because I just... I'm not there, right? And it does save money and so much time as well. So that's something to consider if every time you walk into the store, you walk out with some ice cream or something, then, you know, just pick what's on your list on the grocery app. Yeah. Okay. Here's another benefit of how meal prepping helps. Um, It helps me have meals on time (laughs) because otherwise it's five o'clock and I'm like, oh crap, recipe for, you know, I'm scrolling my phone, recipe for, because I don't have a plan and, (laughs) and I'm not ready. And so, um, it helps me save time. Like supper is on time earlier than when I have a plan because I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly when I need to start it. And then nobody's hangry and the kids aren't getting into food and then they don't eat their supper because they've helped themselves to whatever because they were hungry because I didn't have supper ready. Same for yourself. You'll find yourself snacking at a certain point in the afternoon unless you know, oh, well, supper's going to be in two hours and I know exactly what I'm having and I don't need to eat this or maybe not this amount of this. Those are a bunch of side benefits of how meal planning can help you besides getting a healthier meal written down on your meal plan. Yeah, totally. Okay. So just as a review, our five tips are one, create a picture of a healthy you, look way out in the future and decide what you want that to look like and then start working towards it. Number two, eliminate those fake foods or any highly concentrated foods. Number three, stop loading up on carbs, especially the garbage ones. Just replace them all with vegetables. Number four, retrain your hunger cues so that you're only eating when you want to or when you need to. And then number five, make sure that you are planning and or prepping as needed. Yeah. I just wanted to say here at the end that if you're focusing on your short-term goal, there's it, sometimes it's going to be um, easy. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. And, and that just happens. But also please develop and keep in mind your long-term goal too for and, and make it like a really big one, mm-hmm. <laughs> like being healthier for yourself to be, to live a better life in the future. Um, 
I also wanted to say something else that the more, the better that you eat, the more nutrition that you get, the higher fat content that you eat, the more you are feeding your body the right thing, the you will lose those cravings for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. They w- they will go away because you know that you know eating a tub of ice cream or a butterfinger bar or you know little Caesar breadsticks, whatever it is, is your thing. Um, it's not going to make you feel good and you don't even crave it anymore because your body is full of the right thing and it's not it's not looking around for just anything because it's so hungry. Yeah, I will say one final thing that when you are focused a lot on losing excess fat and you are incorporating a diet that you want to last forever, that that weight loss might be slow right? Because if it's sustainable, it's going to, your body is just going to naturally shed those pounds, but it might not be drastic. Like we're so used to seeing these before and afters where six months and I lost a hundred pounds. Number one, it's not sustainable. And number two, what are they doing to themselves? What kind of drastic cutbacks or weird foods are they eating to make their body shed that amount of weight? We want to be sustainable. We want to be slow. We want to be steady. And we want to develop these lifestyles that are going to make us happy and healthy forever, right? And just acknowledge that long-term goal over the scale. That's it for today's episode. You guys, we want you to know that we are cheering you on in your goal of attaining a healthy weight for yourself, not losing weight, but attaining that health, healthy weight. And we're cheering you on. We're we're behind you in this. And we hope some of our tips have helped you get there. That's right. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Bonnie. I'm Audrey. And we're outnumbered. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Did you see me get attacked by a ladybug? No, you were like kind of uh, frozen. Okay, good. I hope it was frozen on the recording because there was like this ladybug that landed on my face. If it's not, you need to send me Marco Polo that when you edit it.